The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. Hey there, it's Dan Roth, LinkedIn's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome to This Is Quick, where we ask our This Is Working guests pointed questions about their own best practices. Today, we're hearing from AI pioneer, Dr. Fei-Fei Li. What's one habit that helps you stay productive? I actually make sure I sleep. That is important. I don't let lack of sleep accumulate for too long. Got I can't it. function anyway. Yeah. So, And not drinking coffee helps. You don't drink any coffee? No. You've never drank coffee. I'm married to an Italian, and I don't drink coffee. That's incredible. <laughs> I gotta, we'll, we'll do another episode on how you keep that marriage alive. Um, <laughs> what's one thing that can derail your productivity? I do think life's responsibility. There yeah. are many times in life that I do have to slow down because life's duty calls. And in many of my own memories, it's really taking care of parents. Who was your first mentor and what was something important you learned from them? I'm going to honor the book and uh, Mr. Sabella. I figured that was the answer, yeah. Who is the high school, Persephone High School math teacher. And what was something that he taught you that has stuck with you? It's funny that the early days, being his student and his young friend, it was about his tough love. He's not going to cut you slack just because he's your teacher or your um, your friend. You just have to earn everything. But now the grown-up Feifei is really the compassion, the mm. generosity of a human. You know, it, it took me quite a few years to distill that mm. and to want to embody that. But in hindsight, it was just, he has such a big heart. Do you practice both of those with your students? Are you a tough I, teacher? Unfortunately, I think I am yeah. a tough love teacher, so I need to be careful with that. Do you do one-on-ones with students? That's actually my favorite. All right, so someone shows up to a one-on-one with you. What makes you want to extend it, and what makes you start checking your watch and wondering how quickly it can be over? So there are many reasons to want to extend it. The students I work with are, I'm very privileged. They're the brightest from all over the world. It's the sheer intellectual uh, richness, intellectual curiosity, intellectual force. I love debating with my students. I love just talking to them and imagining things. It doesn't even have to be the project. It's any intellectual topic, mostly AI. That, if my calendar allows, I could go hours. Now my calendar doesn't work that way. <laughs> what is making me checking my watch? I do wish and hope we are responsible people. We take accountability seriously. We have that self-agency to do well, fix mistakes, you know, be responsible. And if that is not there... It doesn't make me happy. So these are like students coming in to complain, basically. Is that it? It depends on which kind of complaint. I actually think, especially as I age, I'm I'm much more patient. I actually think it's important to hear about complaints. Mm. You know, it's a way of seeking help. And, and we all need to seek help and help others. So that doesn't bother me. But then what? Right? Like, that's important. And how do we fix it? That's where we get into accountability and all that. What's one thing you learned from someone you worked with that has changed your career? And how did you begin implementing it? You know, collectively, my students changed me. Really? Being a 
teacher, an educator, and a fellow scientist, but I'm more senior to them, with these students are the most humbling experience. I know you or the world look at me as a well-known scientist. I walk into my lab with these 20-year-olds. They don't see it that way. Of course they do. They, they, they see you as just, you know, they're going to challenge you. Yeah. What? You didn't read this paper? You, know? <laughs> you don't know this? I disagree with you. I just love that. I think they humble me. At the beginning, they humble me as a scientist because they are such sponges of learning machines and they are fast and they, you know, if you have more than one of them, suddenly you're overwhelmed and in a good way. But gradually they also humble me as people and they keep me grounded as a scientist. They teach me mostly implicitly to be more patient, mm. to have more compassion. I think collectively that's the group that really continuously shape me, and I'm grateful for that. What was your biggest aha moment in your career so far, and what led to that moment? I mean, the Biederman's number is definitely an aha moment. Let's talk about Biederman's number, if you wouldn't mind, and how that was an aha. I'm so proud I coined that term, because Professor Irv Biederman, sadly, he passed away, I think, around a year ago. Otherwise, I would have given him my book. He's a cognitive psychologist working in University of Southern California. When I was a graduate student at Caltech, working on AI and making computers to see, my North Star was seeing the world full of objects, because that's how humans do, right? It's such a fundamental capability of human visual intelligence. But if you really think about it, who are the objects you should see? How many of them? Everybody around that time was starting, oh yeah, here are the four projects, uh, four objects, just recognize them. But I read a paper by Professor Irv Biederman. It was not a well-known paper. It was just a long paper and published in the early 1980s where he actually, uh, I will use the word guesstimated, a parameter for how many objects that humans learn to see in the early development years. And he put a number around 30 to 100,000. That number was so daunting in the dawn of AI. Nobody was thinking that scale. And when I say that number, you have to multiply it by thousands and tens of thousands of examples. For example, I say the word German Shepherd. That's just one of the 30,000. Mm -hmm. But then as a learning machine for both humans and computers, you need many, many examples of German Shepherd to learn, right? Especially for computers. Every object category, like a German Shepherd, you need thousands and tens of thousands. So that Biederman number would translate to tens of millions and hundreds of millions. It's just not a scale that anyone in AI was even thinking about. And I stumbled upon that number and that number just didn't leave me for several years. It was really an aha moment. And combining with other things, I start to realize we need to rethink AI from a data-driven point of view. And that led to ImageNet, which was part of the reason deep learning revolution happened. Right. So, so that was an important aha moment. And uh, I wanted to honor his contribution to my career, at least. So, so I made the term Biederman's number. It's sticking. It's a great term. <laughs> 
Last one, if someone came to you and asked how to do what you're doing, what career advice would you give them? Well, that's easy. Seek your North Star and stick with it. Great. Fei-Fei, thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. That was AI expert Fei-Fei Li. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I really loved her book. It's called The Worlds I See, Curiosity, Exploration, and Discovery at the Dawn of AI. You should check it out. What really stood out to me from our rapid-fire session, what was also highlighted in the book, was the role that one person in particular played on Fei-Fei's life. That was Mr. Sabella, her high school math teacher. This is a person who challenged Fei-Fei, an immigrant, someone who was very quiet, wasn't sure about what she was capable of, was really not sure about her language. And Mr. Sabella saw that Fei-Fei was capable of doing much more and of being much more. And after school, he would get her to express herself and to show what she was capable of. And Fei-Fei started blooming because of that. And she kept Mr. Sabella in her life all the way through adulthood. She would have dinners at his house. She would go to him for all kinds of advice. And it all started with Mr. Sabella just asking her to be more and to do more. He challenged her. He didn't let her off the hook easy. And I think there's a lesson in there for all of us. Number one, if you are a mentor, you can push people to do more and to expect more of themselves. And number two, all of us, or most of us have had a Mr. Sabella in our life. I would love to hear from you. Who was your Mr. Sabella? Who helped you become the you you are today? Let me know in the comments on LinkedIn. You can use the hashtag, this is working. Tag that person into a post and let them know and let us know what that person did to make you even better in your professional life. Let me know on LinkedIn using the hashtag, this is working. And if there's a question you want to hear in these candid segments with guests, let me know that too. You can reach me at thisisworking at linkedin.com. Thanks to the team for putting this together. Nina and I will be back next week to bring you more great takeaways. Be well and stay curious.